President Biden celebrates passage of the largest pork bill in American history. The White House continues to deny a crisis on the border while incentivizing a crisis on the border. And the New York Times finally finds an employee they'll defend. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. A lot to get to today. We're going to get to it in just one second. First, you know, the government is now blowing out the dollar. This is what they're doing. They're spending more money than has ever been created by God or man. At some point, the bill will come due. You might want to be diversified into something that is not actually the United States dollar. You might want to be diversified into something that has never been worth zero. I'm talking, of course, about gold. If you're talking about something that hedges against inflation and uncertainty in the market, gold is your thing. This is why you should talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Birch Gold just passed a major milestone, 10,000 customers. That's 10,000 people who have a plan against radical leftist policies driving up our national debt and devaluing the dollar. If you've been waiting to call Birch Gold to convert an IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver, now would be the time. Through April 30th on qualifying purchases, when you purchase precious metals with Birch Gold, they'll send you a free home safe, which is a pretty solid deal. We've given away books. We've given away silver. This is their biggest giveaway ever. Text Ben to 474747 for your free information kit on precious metals IRA or to speak with a Birch Gold representative today. With 10,000 customers, they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. They can help you too. Text Ben to 474747 for your free safe with purchase. Again, talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. There's never been a better time in human history to hedge against inflation than right now. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 474747 today and work with my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so here's the good news. The good news is it is pretty clear at this point, pretty obvious at this point, that as soon as you get the vaccine, as soon as that vaccine kicks in, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month in, you should be able to go back to your regular life. This is becoming more and more obvious every single day. Now, members of our government are trying to prolong the agony because, again, this agony is being used by President Houseplant and crew in order to push forward the broadest spending bills in American history, and they want to do more. But the reality is that we are now in the waning days of the pandemic. According to Pfizer, they say that real-world data from Israel suggests their vaccine is now 94% effective, 94% effective in preventing asymptomatic infections, meaning that the vaccine could significantly reduce transmission, according to Reuters. Also, Pfizer says that the real-world data out of Israel shows its vaccine effectiveness is 97% in preventing symptomatic disease, all symptomatic disease, as well as severe critical disease and death. Their release notes that 80% of the tested specimens in Israel were the apparently very, very scary B117 UK variant. So you've heard all about these variants, the Mexican variant and the, and the UK variant and the South African variant. The evidence thus far shows that the vaccine is extremely effective against the virus. And let's be real about this. Even if it were not, we eventually are going to have to go back to our daily lives. We're eventually going to have to go back to work. This cannot last interminably. And by the way, we are now drawing near the end. Okay, we are at the lowest infection rates since the beginning of the pandemic. We are not seeing upticks. Spring break is happening in Florida. We're not seeing upticks in Florida. If there are upticks, it's among people who are young and, rel and relatively invulnerable to COVID-19. The vaccines are going out at an extraordinary rate, a couple million a day at this point. We have now apparently purchased, according to the Washington Post, four times the number of vaccines as the number of adults in the United States. Because okay, so I don't know what we're going to use all those extra vaccines for. Theoretically, we could just give them to allies or we could tranche them out as booster shots or whatever. But here's the reality. We're at the end of this thing. Okay, we're now very close to the end of this thing. And the data are clear. Once you get the vaccine, you should be able to take off the mask and you should be able to hang out with whoever you want, whether or not they are vaccinated. And if somebody chooses not to get vaccinated, that is their own problem. If they then get infected, that is their problem. But people who are vaccinated should feel pretty invulnerable to COVID because statistically speaking, they are pretty invulnerable to COVID. You know who acknowledges this? The CDC, who have been lying to you. So the CDC will say that if you've been vaccinated, you shouldn't fly. The CDC will say that if you've been vaccinated, you shouldn't get together with large groups of other vaccinated people. The CDC will say to you that you should not get together with people who are unvaccinated in larger than one family groups. All that is crap. You know how I know that's crap? Because the CDC says that if you're vaccinated and you're in a room with a person who then tests COVID positive, you don't even have to quarantine, which means they're not worried about you transmitting it to others or getting infected, which means that this thing is over for the people who are vaccinated. And we all know it. And now everybody's just lying about it in the media, at the CDC. They're all lying about this because they would prefer that the COVID crisis be prolonged so that they can, quote, build back better. Okay, this is now being used as an excuse, as it has been for the last couple of months by the Democrats in order to push forward world-beating change. Gavin Newsom admitted this in California. 
He said, the recovery is not just going to be a recovery. It's going to be world. We're going to change everything about the way California works, meaning we're going to blow out the spending, meaning we're going to blow out the taxation, because now is the opportunity for us to push our quote unquote equitable solutions. Now, you may have noticed this pattern before from the political left. The political left has been using climate change as their big bugaboo in order to scare people into vast redistributionist policies that crack down on free markets and free individual rights. And the idea is that, co- that, that climate change is such a vast threat to the American population and to the global population that we need to sacrifice all of our rights, all of our economic freedoms, our prosperity in order to stop this vast threat. The thing is, most people across the world don't actually agree with that. Most people are not into that, particularly in the developing world where they would just like to, you know, not burn dung for fuel. Right? That, that's it. They would like to live past the age of 50. Right? In those places, it seems like carbon-based fuels, pretty good idea. One of the great inventions of mankind, carbon-based fuels. But now that climate change has proved itself not to be enough of an impetus for the sort of socialistic change that our new ruling class would like, they've decided that COVID is the impetus for that. And so they're going to prolong this as long as they humanly can. There is no reason for Joe Biden to be walking around with a mask. He's vaccinated. If Joe Biden really wanted to get past the pandemic at this point, he would be taking off the mask and telling everybody else that you can do that once you've been vaccinated for a month. But President House plans, right, this barely sentient human who's going to be giving a speech tonight. I don't even know how he's going to give the speech tonight. And you watch him on camera. And I honest to God, I do not know how they think that this man is going to give a speech. He, he might be able to sustain it for like 10 minutes, but any longer than that, and it's going to be a problem for him. It's going to be quick cuts like an MTV music video from 1987. It's just going to be like one shot of him saying a word and then another shot of him saying a word. And then they'll string it all together and they'll put a little bit of soft guitar music underneath to make you feel like they did it all in one shot. But President Houseplant is a, is a friendly face for the sort of radical change that we are watching Democrats implement on the back of lies about the continuation of a crisis. This is not a crisis anymore. We are not in crisis. Okay, I'm living in Florida. In California, they're still treating this as a crisis, even though the crisis is waning. In Florida... It is not a crisis. It hasn't been a crisis for a long time. When I say crisis, I mean ICUs being overwhelmed. I mean vast numbers of people outside of old age homes, which are protected in places like Florida dying. I mean all of the businesses being shut. This has not been a crisis for, for many weeks at this point. And Florida has been open since the summer. The rest of America is opening up. The crisis is waning. The crisis is like this close to being over. Hey, that is what the science says. And I follow the science and the data, not the science, which is politically driven nonsense being pushed, by the way, by supposed scientific minds like Rochelle Walensky at the CDC, who's just doing the bidding of the Biden administration and Dr. Anthony Fauci over at the NIAID, who is over there doing the Biden administration's bidding. They're not following the science. They're following the politics because you watch Joe Biden, President Houseplant is supposed to sign into law this giant, quote unquote, COVID relief package that has nothing to do with COVID. He's going to sign that on Friday. By Monday, they'll be talking about how hope is on the horizon and how we can all get back to our regular lives. Remember, some of us predict this as early as January. What I said, you can go back, you can find the tape. What I said is that we were already going to be on the wane by late January, by the time he took office. And then he was going to jump in front of the parade, declare universal masking. People were going to give him credit. The vaccines were already going to be going out. People were going to then give Biden credit And then he was going to declare the COVID pandemic over once he had rammed through some change. So that prediction looks pretty good today. But the fundamental point is still this. We don't actually need this giant blockbuster spending bill. We don't need all of this giant, enormous Keynesian spending in order to recover, given the fact that this entire economic depression was caused artificially by government shutdowns. It was caused artificially by an extraneous shock, namely the virus. And once the virus is on the wane, everybody's going to go back to business. And guess what? Before the virus, we had the most booming economy that we'd had in this country for half a century. And yet that's what needs fundamental change. They're not trying to change what the situation was during COVID. They're trying to change the situation before COVID, when we had the best economy that we have had in 50 years, with serious wage growth, particularly at the bottom of the economic spectrum, with high employment rates for minority communities. They're trying to change that. That's what they're trying to change. And they're using COVID as an excuse. And that is why they refuse to acknowledge the obvious, which is that COVID is basically over at this point. It is not only on the way and we are like this far from it being over. I'm going to keep saying that over and over until people get it through their heads. Because I understand we all have a psychological block now. I understand that we have the psychological block about, oh, no, can I even see other people? Am I going to get back to normal? The answer is yes. Get out there. Get back to normal after you've had the vaccine. End of story. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, whether you're an avid news watcher or in serious need of a distraction, unplugging yourself is easier said than done. Well, when I want to rest these peepers, and instead, I just want to listen to some nice classical music and calm down in the afternoons. I need my wireless 
earbuds. And I will tell you, the best pair of wireless earbuds, they are my Raycons. Whether you're catching up on your favorite news podcast or binging an audiobook or powering through your workout with a pumped up playlist, a pair of Raycons in your ears can make all the difference in the world. No dangling wires or stems to get in the way. Raycons come in a range of stylish colors, always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. Raycons are built to perform anywhere, anytime with water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. You've got enough battery life for six hours of playtime, which means you can unplug for quite a while. The best part? Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone with wireless earbuds starting at half the price of other premium wireless audio brands. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products today. For my listeners, here's what you have to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Ben. That's all. Get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Ben. Once more, buyraycon.com slash Ben. Okay, so it's not just me saying this about the waning of the pandemic. Dr. Marty Makari, who's been a guest on this program many times from Johns Hopkins University, he has a piece today in the Wall Street Journal. And he says that basically after you've had this thing for a month, the vaccine, you're done. He says the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has lost a lot of credibility during the COVID-19 pandemic by being late or wrong on testing masks, vaccine allocation, and school reopening. Staying consistent with that pattern this week, three months after the vaccine rollout began, the CDC finally started telling vaccinated people they can have normal interactions with other vaccinated people, but only in highly limited circumstances. Given the impressive effectiveness of the vaccine, that should have been immediately obvious by applying scientific inference and common sense. Part of the new guidelines are absurdly restrictive. For example, the CDC did not withdraw its advice to avoid air travel after vaccination. A year of pre-vaccine experience has demonstrated that airplanes are not a source of spread. The guidelines do approve of vaccinated people meeting with low-risk unvaccinated ones, but only with people from the same household and in a small private setting. So much for restaurants, birthday parties, and weddings. An unpublished study conducted by the Israeli Health Ministry and Pfizer shows vaccination reduced transmission by 89 to 94% and almost totally prevented hospitalization and death, according to press reports. Immunity kicks in fully about four weeks after the first vaccine dose, and then you're essentially bulletproof. With the added safety of wearing a mask indoors for a few more weeks or months, a practical necessity in public places, even if not a medical one, since he can't tell on site if somebody is immune, there's little a vaccinated person should be discouraged from doing. On a positive note, the CDC did say that fully vaccinated people who are asymptomatic don't need to be tested. But that obvious recommendation should have come two months ago before wasting so many tests on people who have high levels of circulating antibodies from vaccination. In its guidance, the CDC says the risks of infection in vaccinated people, quote, cannot be completely eliminated. True, we don't have conclusive data that guarantees vaccination reduces risks to zero because we never will. We're operating in the realm of medical discretion based on the best available data, as practicing physicians have always done. The CDC highlights the vaccine's stunning success, but is ridiculously cautious about its implications. The CDC acknowledges potential risks of isolation, but doesn't go into details. It's time to liberate vaccinated people to restore their relationships and rebuild their lives that would encourage vaccination by giving hesitant people a vivid incentive to have the shots. As people yearn to be with their loved ones and rebuild communities, we shouldn't repeat the mistakes of the past. We can't exaggerate the public health threat as we did with hospital visitation rules and keep crushing the human spirit with overly restrictive policies for vaccinated Americans. He says, what am I allowed to do after I've been vaccinated? Once a month has passed after your first shot, go back to normal. Dr. Marty Makari writing that. He happens to be correct. But again, the goal here for the Democrats is to never let go of this. We saw Nancy Pelosi yesterday literally saying that she wants another tranche of spending. She wants another tranche of spending because you never know what the virus is going to do. But let's be real about this. The Democrats have been using this virus as an excuse to pass a completely unnecessary bill. It is completely unnecessary. The vast majority of the funding is going to people who did not lose their jobs. The vast majority of the funding is going by the way, not even to individual American citizens. It's going to bailouts for union pension funds. It's going to bailouts for states and localities that blew out their own budgets. And who, by the way, have not lost tax revenue during this downturn because the first relief bills actually increased tax revenues in certain states. But Nancy Pelosi is super happy about this. Here's Nancy Pelosi yesterday saying this is the most consequential legislation of our lifetime. She is not wrong about this, by the way. Okay, this is very consequential legislation. It sets up brand new entitlement programs that quote unquote only last a year, but are designed to last far longer. It creates essentially incentives, the old welfare incentives to have kids out of wedlock because, again, you get paid by the government to have kids. Not only do you get paid by the government to have kids, there are no restrictions with regard to having a job or not having a job. There are no work requirements. There's nothing that encourages marriage anywhere in there. Not only that, again, this is a giant bailout for, for states that have blown out their own pocketbooks. It is a it is a bonanza used car sales lemon. That's all this thing is. Here's Nancy Pelosi calling it the most consequential legislation of our lifetime. I think I can safely say, and I've said this to my colleagues in the House on the Democratic side, 
This is the most consequential legislation that many of us will ever be a party to. Who knows what the future may bring? But nonetheless, on this day, we celebrate because we are honoring a promise made by our president as we join with him in promising that help is on the way. By the way, help should have been on the way in, I don't know, August. Okay, the reality is that there were COVID relief packages passed all the way up in bipartisan fashion during the Trump administration. This thing was passed along pure party lines. Why? Because the pandemic is basically over. Okay, the pandemic is is done. Okay, and now we are spending $1.9 trillion, more money than has ever been seen by God or man, spending money that has not yet been created. We're spending all of that money to do what? To do what? We are now actively encouraging people not to go back to work. We're providing enhanced unemployment incentives that go all the way until September. September. Are you insane? September? Again, we have the lowest rates of infection since the beginning of the pandemic. I would say at this point, most states are wide open for business. The unemployment rate in places that have remained wide open, like South Dakota, is like 3%. By the way, the national unemployment rate is 6.3%, which is not wonderful, but it's certainly not crisis levels. We're not talking about the 20% that we were at even a few months ago. Now is the time we need to spend $1.9 trillion on a bunch of nonsense. Now, naturally, this is popular. If you send people checks, that's popular. But over time, what's going to be shown is that it doesn't actually raise people out of poverty to just send them checks. That has never been a solution. The war on poverty tried this with $22 trillion worth of checks over the past several decades. It has not lowered the poverty rate in the United States. You can't just sign people checks and then hope that's going to cure poverty. That is not how poverty gets cured. There are steps to escape poverty, but those steps, generally speaking, are reliant on individual decision-making, like don't have kids out of wedlock, finish high school, and get a job. By the way, if you follow those steps, you will not spend your life in poverty. Statistically speaking, according to the left-wing Brookings Institute. So what exactly does this bill do? Well, it blows out the national debt, obviously. I know we don't care about this. I know in bipartisan fashion, we no longer care about the national debt. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm sanguine about Republicans who completely waived all of their duty when it came to blowing out the national debt when Trump was president. They blew out the national debt. They spent $4 trillion a year, Republicans did, because Trump did not care about cutting spending. And now Biden's answer to that is, well, what if we go to $6 trillion a year? That's what he wants. He doesn't just want another $2 trillion spent here. That's, by the way, on the side of the $4 trillion budget, not inclusive of the $4 trillion budget. So we're already at $6 trillion. He wants to spend another $2 trillion on infrastructure. So he wants to double, double the budget in the middle of a non-pandemic, because we are not in the middle of a pandemic anymore, guys. We're not. So we are going to double the national debt, essentially, uh, or at least the household national debt. Over the past year, uh, over the past year, the pandemic coupled with its effects on the economy, led to an unprecedented amount of federal spending, according to Heritage Foundation. In fiscal year 2020, it was over $50,000 per household. This year, we can expect another $45,000 per household. The total national debt has risen to $27.9 trillion. That is more than $215,000 per household. And by the way, a lot of households don't pay tax, which means that if you're one of the 50% of households that do pay tax, your actual share of the national debt is more like $430,000. And if you do it, by actually tranching out the, the tax rates. If you're at the top end of the spectrum, you owe millions of dollars to the federal government. Congress is just blowing out the spending. It doesn't actually care about COVID relief, obviously, because again, the amount that's actually spent on quote unquote COVID-19 relief for public health is like 10% of the package. Okay, it, is a, it is a massive spend on teachers unions who have not reopened their schools. It spends money all the way up until 2026. It spends more money on schools in 2026 than 2021. It's the same about the pandemic. It also blows out welfare expansion, right? It completely reverses decades of attempts to curb the welfare state. According to the Heritage Foundation, the legislation includes benefit increases and expansions for a variety of safety net programs, including Unemployment Insurance, Affordable Care Act subsidies, the Earned Income Tax Credit, which will now be going to people who did not actually pay taxes, cash welfare payments, and much, much more. It also destroys incentives to find work, marry, or increase earnings. Now, again, I understand the argument that you want women staying home with kids as opposed to working because it's better for kids not to be in daycare. Right? That's an argument that's now being made by people on the left. Women should have the option to stay home more with their kids if they're single moms and such. But we should have incentives that actually encourage people to get married. Okay, marriage is a solution to poverty. Staying home on a government check is not a solution to poverty, as it turns out. It gives giant handouts to special interests, $90 billion from the general public to pad out pension plans that is directly, directly oriented toward big labor. 
$57 billion going toward transportation in a way that privileges unionized workers. Overall, $500 billion that is general, uh, generally directed toward paying off Democratic political allies. And by the way, these stimulus checks, they're not going to actually cure whatever economic problems ail the United States. Again, most Americans still have jobs. The vast majority of Americans are still employed, and that's going to get better, not worse, as we reopen the economy. And yet we're giving all these people who are already employed 1400 bucks a pop. I understand why you like it. I would like it too if I were receiving $1,400 in free money. But no money is free money. And money doesn't just grow on trees, contrary to popular modern monetary theory opinion. By the way, people have extraordinary savings rates right now. We are paying off our credit card debt. That's what we're using the money for right now. Okay, these are not stimulative because, again, the way that you stimulate the economy is by creating new products and services. And you stimulate demand by reopening your economy. Okay, so this is a giant boondoggle, this bill, an enormous boondoggle. But what is this really about? It's really about the politics of the situation. So Joe Biden says everything in the bill addresses a real need, which, of course, is a lie. It is a lie. The vast majority of this bill does not address a real need for the one millionth time. The economic shortfall this year is supposed to be about $450 billion thanks to COVID. This bill is more than four times that amount in spending. Here is Joe Biden being incoherent. Everything in the American Rescue Plan addresses a real need, including investments to fund our entire vaccination effort, more vaccines, more vaccinators, and more vaccination sites. Millions more Americans will get tested, including home testing. Schools will soon have the funding and resources to reopen safely on national imperative. The American Rescue Plan, the partnership between Johnson & Johnson and Merck, proves we can do big things, important things in this country. Okay, all of this stuff was already underway. Schools have been open in this country in a wide variety of states for months at this point. My kids have been in school all year long in Florida. Florida never closed its schools. As far as the, the notion that testing and tracing was ever going to be effective, testing and tracing was never effective throughout the pandemic in the United States. It just was not. Okay, I know that was, it was portrayed as the cure-all. It was not. Okay, and as far as the vaccine being tranched out, that started under Trump. It continued under Biden. End of story. So do you need $1.9 trillion in spending? Of course not. Okay, but what this is really about is about what comes next. It's not just about this. It's about what comes next. It's about now we're in a new era of hope. Hope has broken out on the horizon. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So when I climb into bed at night after my kids have fully exhausted me, I need to be sleeping on the best sheets available. And those are bull and branch sheets without a doubt. They're so good. I threw out all my other sheets. I only have bull and branch sheets. The signature hem sheets from bull and branch are a bestseller for a reason. Buttery soft, lightweight organic cotton and a classic sateen weave for sheets that get softer over time. They're not too hot, not too cool. The perfect year-round sheets for most sleepers. Bowl and Branch focuses on quality over quantity. No inflated thread counts because more isn't always better. You know, when, when somebody says it's a, a thousand thread count, that really doesn't make any difference. The question is, what is the sheet actually made out of? Bowl and Branch signature sheets come in seven beautiful colors in all sizes from twin on up to California King. Made to a higher standard. 100% organic cotton, ethical production, thoughtful attention to every detail. There's nothing worse than fitted sheets that don't fit. Bowl & Branch offers 17-inch deep fitted sheets and labeled sides to help you make your bed beautifully every single time because, you know, those little things do make a big difference. Jordan Peterson has told you that you ought to make your bed. Bowl & Branch makes it super easy. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Shapiro at checkout. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Shapiro, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code Shapiro, and get 15% off your first set of sheets. Okay, so this massive Democrat-only bill is very popular. But not only that, it is the turning point in how we speak about COVID. Some of us have been saying, COVID's on the wane. That's why this bill is unnecessary. Mitch McConnell says this, right? Senate Minority Leader, thanks to the complete fussery. Uh, by the way, you thought those Georgia Senate seats didn't matter? Yeah, they mattered a little bit because now we have established these giant new entitlement programs that are going to be extraordinarily hard to roll back as we blow out the debt for all time. Here is Mitch McConnell saying, if the economy booms, this is going to have nothing to do with it, which happens to be correct because the economy was booming before COVID. The economy will boom after COVID. Let's just all go back to our regular lives. And I don't know, not spend money that has never been created not borrow trillions of dollars from foreign creditors. Here's Mitch McConnell saying this. He's ripped up and down for this, of course. We're doing damage to the future of this country by spending dramatically more money than we obviously need at this particular point, at which time the economy is coming back, people are getting vaccinated. We're on the way out of this. We're about to have a boom. And if we do have a boom, 
it will have absolutely nothing to do with this $1.9 trillion. That is exactly right. But again, the media will never let this happen, right? Whatever boom happens from now on, they're going to credit Biden with. Now, again, I predicted this last year. I said that it was a high likelihood that after COVID was over, there was going to be this big economic boom that that Biden was going to take advantage of the economic boom to put in place a bunch of crappy radical policy that completely undermined the American economy. So what you're going to see is the next couple of years are going to be a spending spree. Everybody's going to go nuts. They're going to go wild. There'll be price inflation over the course of time. It's already starting to happen. Okay, because demand is starting to return because people are going back to their regular lives. And then the effects of this economic policy is going to be felt. Then you're going to feel it. But it's not immediate. And it could take a few years for all of this to kick in because it usually takes the economy a few years for these sorts of massive spending efforts to kick in. You see this in the 1960s. You can see the growth rates throughout the beginning of the LBJ term. And then by the end of the LBJ term, they're starting to wane. And by the 1970s, the growth rates have basically petered out. Right? So it takes a little while to feel when you have completely botched the entire American economy. But that's exactly what we're doing right now. It's just going to take a little while for us to get there. And now the, Joe Biden has declared, of course, as you would expect, that now that he got his legislative priority, his big win, now there's hope. So there wasn't hope a week ago when it was perfectly obvious that COVID was ending. No, now, now there's hope because obviously, obviously things are different now because he got what he wanted. Because for months at this point, it has been perfectly obvious this thing was coming to an end. And it was just a question of can they sneak in under the wire and spend more money than has ever been created? There is light at the end of this dark tunnel in the past year. But we cannot let our guard down now or assume that victory is inevitable. Together, we're going to get through this pandemic and usher in a healthier and more hopeful future. So there is real reason for hope, folks. There's real reason for hope, I promise you. Oh, well, amazing. That is a different message than we've heard from Joe Biden. Right? For, for, for the last several months, it's been uh, doom and gloom are coming. Doom and gloom and, you know, doom and gloom. We're all going to... It's been all darkness. And, dim, and then they pass a bill that he wants and suddenly... Hope is a happy days are here again. Da, 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 da. Like, can everybody see how transparent this is? It's unbelievably transparent, clearly transparent. And Democrats, of course, are excited about this. They're ignoring the fact that there are economic risks to all of this, which we'll get to in a moment. Here is Chuck Schumer saying, help is on the way. Now, whenever Chuck Schumer says help is on the way, reach for your wallet, because right now they're inflating your wallet. Don't worry, guys. They, they take with one hand from you and they give with the other. But what they take is usually more than what they give. Okay, it's, it's all fun and games until the two by four behind their back comes out. Here is Chuck Schumer. So what do we say to America? We say to America, help is on the way. Help is on the way. You will receive $1,400 checks by the end of March. Help is on the way. Vaccines will be f- available far more quickly to far more people at a sh- in a shorter time. Help is on the way. Our schools will open safely and more quickly than we thought. Help is on the way. Hey, now, here's the thing. Again, the Democrats require the presence of President Houseplant here to ram this thing through because people find him completely unthreatening. It's the reason why they won't trot him out. Because the more they trot him out, the more it is clear that this man is losing it. And the fact that he is losing it means that he is not really in control of his own administration. Yesterday, for example, Joe Biden just ignored questions on doing press conferences. He has now gone longer than any president in 100 years, according to ABC News. Not doing a presser. Why? Because he can't answer questions because he's not a sentient person. Okay, he is a houseplant. He is barely alive and he is there to beautify your dining room. That is what he is there to do for the Democrats. He is there to make your house look slightly more colorful. That's pretty much all to, to he's hiding the water stain on the carpet. That's what Joe Biden is. He's a houseplant who hides the giant Democratic water stain on the carpet. Barely alive, not providing a lot, but taking a little sunlight, letting out a little bit of of oxygen. And that, that's pretty much what he's there to do. Thank you. The surplus will, if we have a surplus, we're going to share it with the rest of the world. Okay, I mean, there, and meanwhile, what's going to happen here? Well, inflation is going to be the long-term cost here. According to the New York Times, while the Biden administration's ambitious effort to solve the pandemic's deep economic wounds made its way through Congress. I love the way they put that. It's a, that that's all this is. It's an attempt to solve the nation's deep economic wounds by, you know, spending a trillion dollars more than actual direct relief to the American people. Proponents insisted that funneling $1.9 trillion to American households and businesses wouldn't, unsha- would un- wouldn't unshackle a long vanquished monster, inflation. Officials at the Federal Reserve have said there's little cause for worry. 
But as the legislation moved toward the finish line, inflation prospects increasingly influenced political commentary and Wall Street trading. The worries reflect expectations of a rapid economic expansion as businesses reopen and the pandemic recedes. Millions are still unemployed, layoffs remain high, but for workers with secure jobs, higher spending seems almost certain in the months ahead as vaccinations prompt Americans to get out and about, deploying savings built up over the last year. Okay, what this does is it devalues your savings. It causes people to spend more money, which causes prices to rise, which hurts, which hurts people who are the lowest income among us. And eventually means that people who are buying American debt realize they're going to be paid off in inflated dollars. And because you're going to have to put dollars into the system in order to keep maintaining that system. Jamie Dimon, chief executive of J.P. Morgan, is among those tracking the inflation threat. He says there's a very good chance you're going to have a gangbuster economy for the rest of the year and easily into 2022. The question is, does that overheat everything? In addition to the $1.9 trillion about to pour forth, Dimon said, $1 trillion in savings that piled up during the pandemic remains unspent. There's not a shortage of money. There's the shortage of places to spend the money because people have not been out and about, but now they're out and about. And we're pouring money to the economy anyway. Dimon said, I wouldn't buy 10-year treasuries. That's correct. Why would you buy bonds? It's going to be very hard for America to take out more debt, given the fact that we've already blown out the debt and everybody knows we're going to inflate. The volatile bond trading prompted several unnerving days on Wall Street last week. High-flying tech stocks were particularly upended, though broad share indices remained near record highs. Diamond said, I would suspect there's a pretty good chance you're going to see rates going up, and people are starting to worry about that. Yep, you're starting to see an uptick in mortgage rates. Home prices have been surging, but a sustained rise in borrowing costs would almost certainly undermine that trend as well. Eventually, you'll get the inflation, and then you'll get stagnation. That is what's going to happen over the course of the next, I would say, five to 10 years because of what we are doing right now. And we don't care right? because right now it's, it's good times, but there will be a, a cost to this. Plus, again, endemic poverty is not going to be cured just by signing people checks. We have tried this before. It is always a failure. But the Democrats are already shifting how they talk about this okay? because they understand, Democrats do, that this is really not about COVID relief at all, that this is about something else, completely restructuring the American economy. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, when you're running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They're an average of 70,000 bucks a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for a small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just 99 bucks a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just 99 bucks a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audits today. Go to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now to schedule your free HR audit. That is Bambi.com slash Shapiro. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro. Bambi dot com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Shore up all of your HR problems and make sure that you don't have HR liabilities in the future by heading on over to Bambi.com slash Shapiro. All right. Well, I truly believe the world would be a better place if people spent as much time reading books as they do scrolling through social media. If you agree with me and you've been looking for a new title to check out, look no further. The New York Times bestselling author, renowned podcast host, none other than our very own Andrew Clavin just released the third and final installment in his Another Kingdom series. The Emperor's Sword finds Austin Lively on the run between two realities as his enemies close in on all sides. Despite wild success in life, he begins to realize that a recurring vision is actually a nightmare in disguise. He is caught in the coils of a terrible magic. The only way he can save his soul is to give up his success, re-enter the Eleven Lands, and find the Emperor Anastasius so he can restore Queen Elinda to her throne. If you haven't read the first two books, you should totally read them. They're great. The first two books did not disappoint. I'll be sitting down to find out how this last one concludes Austin's adventures. The Emperor's Sword is now available for purchase online. Head on over to Amazon.com, search The Emperor's Sword. Also, last November, we announced the one and only Candace Owens would be joining the Daily Wire family. Well, the long wait is over. I'm thrilled to announce the Daily Wire's newest show, Candace, premieres next Friday, March 19th. No one triggers the left quite like Candace, that is for sure. Whether she is going after Harry Styles for wearing a dress or getting into a Twitter war with Cardi B, many have tried to cancel Candace. All have failed. And Candace obviously has been one of the more prominent people on social media throughout the past few years. I would expect that is not going to change with the new show. In 2018, Candace kicked off the Blexit Foundation. It aims to change the narrative that surrounds America's minority communities. She's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. Get to know Candace, the real Candace, every single week as she shares her humor, insight, and defies all of the stereotypes starting next Friday, March 19th. Candace will be exclusive to Daily Wire members. If you aren't a member yet, 
Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So here's the thing. Right now, this COVID quote unquote relief bill, which is not a COVID relief bill, is extremely popular with the American people. Some 75% of Americans say that they love it because of course it's free money. And because the media have been just pushing this thing like absolute crazy. I mean, they've been saying it's the most important bill since the advent of time, since God invented humanity. This is the most important thing that has ever happened. So people are very into it. But as this thing rolls out and as people go back to work, all they're going to remember are the downsides because there will be costs to this because the economy was going to go anyway. Nobody is going to really attribute the uptick in the economy to this. Nobody. They might like the temporary money for a little while, but it ain't going to last forever. And that is why Democrats are already trying to shift the narrative. They're trying to shift the narrative into this is poverty fighting, right? That's what this is. Well, here's the thing. Americans on a gut level understand that fighting poverty by just helicoptering cash to people does not actually solve poverty. We've tried this over and over in American life. So Democrats are in a bit of a bind here. That's why they need COVID to continue. If COVID doesn't continue, they can't continue to force forward all this radical policy with President Houseplan sitting here talking about how it's going to cure COVID, the empath in chief. Okay, that's not going to work anymore. So they've started to push forward the idea that this is all about poverty relief, but I don't think that's going to be quite as popular. According to the Washington Post, at first, Democrats described their $1.9 trillion stimulus as a response to a once in a century economic and health emergency. But then language began to shift to something much different, an anti-poverty measure with few precedents in U.S. history. Yes, you, you can see what they're doing here. Okay, but here's the thing. It ain't, gonna con- it ain't going to cure poverty. We all know this, and it's going to have a bad effect. We're just going to do all the same policies economically is the 1960s, and we'll have the exact same result, and then we'll pretend that it had nothing to do with the policy. So good luck to Democrats on this. I think that they are, all the people who are very optimistic about Democratic prospects because of this bill, remember, Barack Obama put forth $800 billion in stimulus in his first year in office, and two years later, his party had lost Congress. So I really have serious doubts about whether this is actually going to be uh, the bonanza the Democrats seem to think it's going to be for them politically. Now, one difference is that the recession that Obama inherited was a very real economic recession. This one is pretty false. This one is an artificial recession. It was created by COVID. COVID will end. It will go back to, we'll go back to regular. And so I don't think that the economy is going to be in the state of collapse by 2022 or that we're going to be in a state of slow recovery. In fact, there's a lot of danger of the economy, quote unquote, overheating. But by 2024, you're going to start to see the effects of all of this. Meanwhile, the in actual crisis, so it's, it's not a COVID's not a crisis anymore, but we're pretending it's a crisis. An actual crisis is happening at our southern border, according to the Washington Post. They're now calling it a crisis. The United States currently holds thirty percent more minors in adult detention centers at, under Joe Biden than it did at any time during the Trump administration. Remember, it was all kids in cages for Donald Trump. Well, now thirty percent more kids are being held in cages by Joe Biden. And apparently it's not a crisis, according to Joe Biden and team. According to the Washington Post, however, the magnitude of the crisis facing Biden at the U.S.-Mexico border came into clearer focus on Wednesday as the new administration was holding record numbers of unaccompanied migrant teens and children in detention cells for far longer than legally allowed. And federal health officials fell further behind in their race to find space for them in shelters. But here's the thing. It's not a crisis that faces Biden. It is a crisis created by Biden. The wave of migrants, they are attempting to get in because they believe that Biden is about to amnesty them. And everybody acknowledges it's a crisis, but you have to know that this is a crisis that was created solely and specifically by the Biden White House, which, of course, is the reason why the Biden White House refuses to acknowledge that it is a crisis in the first place. The Washington Post has now called it a crisis. CNN now calls it a crisis. According to Fox News, there have now been 100,000 border encounters in February. That is a 100% increase over the prior year. That is solely and completely due to Joe Biden. But Over and over and over again, the Biden administration insists it's not a crisis. So here's White House border coordinator, Roberta Jackson. She refuses to say that it's a crisis. It's not a crisis, of course. Would you describe what's happening on the border as a crisis, given how these numbers are spiking so much week by week? You know, I think the I I really I'm not trying to be cute here, but I think the fact of the matter is we have to do what we do regardless of what anybody calls the situation. And the fact is we are all focused on improving the situation, on changing to a more humane and efficient system. Um, well, um, it's a crisis. And by the way, when you say humane and efficient system, what you mean is you're just going to release people into the interior. That's all you mean. The reason that unaccompanied minors are showing up at the border, right? You have to wonder why unaccompanied minors is because they're not going to be deported. 
is because they're going to be allowed into the country. And everybody knows this. And this is why, I mean, she, she basically acknowledges this, right? Roberta Jackson says, you know, these surges, the surges that are happening, it's because they're responding to hope. That is correct. Their hope is that they will be given amnesty because Joe Biden will give them amnesty. We've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope. And there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of, you know, pent up demand. I think what we are doing is making sure that we respond to that hope for people who need protection. We respond to that hope in a way that their cases can be adjudicated more quickly. Okay, except that you guys refused to fund last year during Trump's administration any of the resources necessary to actually adjudicate cases quickly. It's not about adjudicating cases quickly. It's about releasing people into the interior. Everybody knows that. That's why you have this giant rush to the border. But again, the message from the Biden White House is that COVID continues to be a crisis, although now it's on the wane because he's fixed everything. He gets to declare victory on COVID after spending five minutes in office and inheriting all of Trump's programs and then doing virtually nothing to make things better. He gets to claim victory on that over time, but it's still kind of a crisis if you need to push forward another couple of trillion bucks in spending. But it's not a crisis at the border when your explicit policy causes a crisis at the border. Here's Secretary of State Tony Blinken, again, not admitting crisis at the border, just refusing. Surely the absence of your contradicting the idea that there's a crisis in the border does not, should not be construed as you're consenting to the fact that there's a crisis at the border. Is there a crisis at the border? We have uh, at the border uh, a, lot of, a lot of work to do to make sure that it uh, is uh, safe, <laughs> uh, orderly, and humane. We're engaged uh, but, in doing that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, not a crisis. Not a crisis. It's a crisis, and it's been caused by them. Okay, so the Biden administration, once again, pursuing radical policy, as radical policy as any administration in my lifetime. Uh, and we are supposed to believe that it's all moderate and popular because President House Plants is over there being non-threatening because basically he's not sentient. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull & Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull & Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable, Bull & Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. So that's exciting stuff. Meanwhile, the, the New York Times has discovered a person they will actually defend, which is exciting. Yeah, actually, there are a couple of people they've defended. They've defended Nicole Hannah-Jones, even though she is a fiction writer masquerading as a reporter, and even though she's a bully inside the newsroom. They won't defend James Bennett, their former op-ed editor, who essentially got fired for running a Tom Cotton op-ed. They won't defend Barry Weiss, who was called a Nazi within the newsroom. They, they obviously won't defend Donald McNeil. They'll get him fired for the great sin of having suggested that there are differences in the use of the N-word based on context. All of that. Is, is stuff that is not worthy of defense. But Taylor Lorenz, who is one of the worst reporters at the New York Times, all Taylor Lorenz does is troll around on the internet, find people's bad old tweets, and then try to destroy their careers. She's a bully, and she is a falsifier of information. She, she went into Clubhouse, and she claimed that people had been making comments they absolutely did not make. Well, there are a bunch of people who finally got uptight with Taylor Lorenz because Taylor Lorenz tweeted out, and I'm saying her full name here because that's her name. I know this is considered somehow bullying, and harassment, if you say somebody's full name, I say people's full names on this program an awful lot it, because that's how I distinguish them from other human beings, members of the media, just, just so you know. Okay, so Taylor Lorenz, who nobody had heard of until she started tweeting out about how she was the biggest victim in the world, a lot of people started making fun of her. And then Tucker Carlson mentioned that she was not actually a victim in American society, writ large. And the New York Times put out a statement rushing to her defense. Quote, in a now familiar move, Tucker Carlson opened his show last night by attacking a journalist. It was a calculated and cruel tactic, which he regularly deploys to unleash a wave of harassment and vitriol at his intended target. Taylor Lorenz is a talented New York Times journalist. Fact check, false. Doing timely and essential reporting. Fact check, false. Journalists should be able to do their jobs without facing harassment. So does this count as harassment of Tucker Carlson since they're criticizing him and attacking a journalist? 
I love the, the, the new rules are that the reporters at the New York Times can attack you, the common American citizen. They can, un, they can dig up your past, find all your bad old tweets, find all your friends from high school. That's fine. But it is also worthy of note that if you criticize them, then you must be ousted. And the, the sort of woke solidarity movement inside the media is truly astonishing. It really is. They don't care about freedom of speech and they don't care about individual rights. They don't care about openness. What they care about is defending their own. And anybody who, by the way, crosses over and attempts to have conversations with anybody on the other side becomes a bad person. So, for example, Marlo Stern, who's the idiot entertainment writer for the Daily Beast, the entertainment editor, I believe, senior entertainment editor for the Daily Beast, tweeted out, quote, I hope, he said, remember this bleep, remember this bleep. And it's about Andrew Yang. So Andrew Yang is now running for mayor of New York. Andrew Yang happens to be a nice guy. Andrew Yang did a Sunday special with me. He was the only Democratic candidate to do so. We invited every single Democratic candidate to come on the show. He's the only one who responded. Very friendly dude. We had an hour-long conversation about universal basic income. It was quite cordial. Apparently, Marlo Stern thinks you should not be allowed to vote for Andrew Yang in New York, or you should not vote for Andrew Yang because he appeared on a show with a person who disagreed. But don't worry. Our media are all for free speech. They're all for First Amendment. They're all for your ability to speak freely, except that you're not allowed to criticize them or appear on any show of which they disapprove. I will note here that it is quite astonishing how few members of the American media have come to the defense of Piers Morgan in the UK. So Piers Morgan, of course, lost his job at Good Morning Britain for the great sin of having said he didn't believe Meghan Markle. Okay, I also have said, I do not believe some things that Meghan Markle has said. By the way, the royal family is now denying that they did a lot of the stuff that she's claiming they did, right? Prince William came out yesterday. He said, we are very much not a racist family. So he denies all of these charges about how it's racism that drove Meghan Markle from Buckingham Palace or anything like that. I said I didn't believe Meghan Markle because she seems, frankly, to me like a person who is attempting to make the most of her situation for fame and money. Piers Morgan said the same thing. But Meghan Markle then contacted his employer with a complaint. He was investigated by the British government regulator and he lost his job. So Piers Morgan came out and he said, I still believe in freedom of speech. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in the right to uh, be allowed to have an opinion. Uh, If people want to believe Meghan Markle, that's entirely their right. I don't believe almost anything that comes out of her mouth. And I think the damage she's done to the British monarchy and to the Queen at a time when Prince Philip is lying in hospital is enormous and, frankly, contemptible. So uh, if I have to fall on my sword for expressing an honestly held opinion about Meghan Markle and that diatribe of bilge that she came out with in that interview, so be it. Okay, well, what's hilarious about this, of course, the American media are all over Piers Morgan, right? Most of the American media are angry at Piers Morgan for having said that, even though he lost his job for saying a thing. By the way, it goes further than that. In Britain, this is a story from yesterday, the Huffington Post in Great Britain. The head of an industry body for the UK press has now resigned following a backlash for claiming that the UK media is not racist. Ian Murray is executive director of the Society of Editors. He said he would step down from his role so the organization can, quote, rebuild its reputation after publishing a widely ridiculed claim that the UK media is, quote unquote, not bigoted. In a statement published on Monday that sparked a backlash against the organization, he wrote, quote, the UK media has never shied away from holding a spotlight up to those in positions of power, celebrity or influence. If sometimes the questions asked are awkward and embarrassing, then so be it. But the press is most certainly not racist. His assertion, which he went on to defend in a heated interview with Victoria Derbyshire on Tuesday, was fiercely criticized by members of the SOE's own board. So you've got the Society of Editors, which is supposed to be the editors of the British press, who are now suggesting that you ought to be fired as the head of the editors of the British press for saying that they are not racist. Apparently, they want the head of their own organization to declare them racist. And if he doesn't, they will get him fired. That is how perverse woke ideology has become. Not only do you feel a sense of joy in denouncing your own racism, if somebody else says you're not a racist, that person should be finished. Their career should be ended. The SOE in Britain represents almost 400 members in senior positions across the UK media, several of whom have now publicly declared their opposition to Murray's statement. Award-winning journalist and loose women panelist Charlene White announced she had pulled out of hosting the Society of Editors National Press Awards. White cited the much-criticized statement released on Monday in the wake of Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah Winfrey. Perhaps it's best for you to look elsewhere for a host for your awards this year, she said. Perhaps someone whose views align with yours, that the UK press is the one institution in the entire country who has a perfect record on race. Of course, that's not what he's saying. There are racist people. He is saying that overall, the British press were not racist. And members of the British press were like, how dare you, sir? Because everything is racist, guys. Every single thing. And if you refuse to denounce not only your own racism, but everybody else's racism, this makes you a racist. This is the woke ideology in action. 
167 journalists of color across the British media industry signed an open letter to say they deplored and rejected the Society of Editors' statement. Quote, while Megan's comments shone a light on her own personal experiences of discriminatory treatment, they reflect the depressingly familiar reality of how people from black, Asian, and minority ethnic backgrounds are portrayed by the UK press on a daily basis. The Society of Editors claim that the Sussex, Sussex view, that would be Harry and Megan, were made without supporting evidence, shows a willful ignorance of not just the discriminatory treatment of Megan, some of which was highlighted during the interview, but that of other people from an ethnic minority background. Murray said he would step down from his role. He said, well, I do not agree that the society, society's statement was in any way intended to defend racism. I accept it could have been much clearer in its condemnation of bigotry and has clearly caused upset. So I'm stepping aside so the organization can rebuild its reputation. This is how bad our press have become on both sides of the water, by the way. Our press is so bad that not only will they not defend somebody who loses their job for expressing an honestly held opinion that is well within the mainstream, 51% of the British public believes that Harry and Meghan should lose their titles, but they will actually, the press will oust its own members for having the temerity to say this sort of stuff. Our, our institutions have been taken over by the woke and militarized by the woke. And, and they, they will not allow any dissent, by the way. If you dissent from this opinion, this makes you racist. They believe in the Ibram Kendi nonsense that if you declare that you're not racist after somebody calls you a racist, this just makes you more racist. Over on this side of the water, obviously you have reporters like CNN's Don Lemon, who is such a journalist. I mean, this guy... He journalisms everywhere. Every single night he journalisms. And my goodness, the levels of journalism. So last night, Don Lemon over at CNN was very upset with Tim Scott. Senator Tim Scott had said that woke supremacy right now, not historically, because woke supremacy didn't exist historically. He's saying woke supremacy, meaning people who want to separate Americans based on race and then use institutions of power to quash their opponents. Those people are worse than white supremacists or as bad as white supremacists, which, by the way, is true. Okay, white supremacists and woke supremacists have a lot in common. They see the world in terms of race. They seek to use their institutional power in order to quash people of other races. They suggest that if you disagree with them, it's because you're intellectually or morally inferior. But Don Lemon is, in fact, a woke supremacist, right? He actually believes in critical racial theory and, and wokeness. He believes in it so much that he doesn't even care about basic journalistic standards. I mean, you'll remember that Don Lemon, over the past few days, has announced you don't even need to hear the other side of the story from the royal family because Meghan Markle obviously is saying so many things that are so obviously true to Don Lemon that hearing the other side of the story would be unwoke. And so we shouldn't hear from the other side, which is a hell of a thing for a purported journalist to say. Well, now Don Lemon goes after Tim Scott in possibly the dumbest possible way. I didn't see any <clears throat> woke supremacists storming the, the Blanken Capitol. Where are the woke supremacists attacking police? Where are the woke supremacists hunting police officers in the halls of the Capitol and beating them with Blue Lives Matter signs with white supremacist insignia on their shirts and carrying white supremacist paraphernalia? Guess who I saw? Guess who police officers were beaten by? Guess who wanted to hang the vice president? White supremacist, Tim Scott! What are you doing? So much journalisming happening right there because woke supremacists have never done any damage to the United States. You know, I mean, I mean, other than the two billion dollars, two billion dollars in property damage that they did last year in riding all around the country. Other than that, it's been totally fine. The woke supremacists are not a threat in any way. They're not a threat to you. They're not a threat to cops. They're not a threat to cities. They don't burn things down. They don't take over institutions. By the way, they do all of those things. And not only do they do all of those things, they have tremendous institutional power. White supremacists don't have a lot of institutional power. I mean, I can't name an institution in the United States that actually advocates white supremacy in the classical definition. Not in the Ibram X. Kendi white supremacy definition, which just means anybody who disagrees with Ibram X. Kendi is a white supremacist. I mean, like actual white supremacists who believe that white people are superior because they're morons. Right? There is no institutional power for those people in the United States. There is tremendous institutional power for the woke supremacists across the United States. Okay, and that makes a difference. Both ideologies are evil. Only one has tremendous influential sway only one has now infiltrated pretty much every major institution in American society. John Murawski over at Real Clear Investigations has a fascinating piece today about how California, the entire state, is embracing mandatory racial injustice study for all of its 1.7 million high schoolers. Quote, California has struggled for five years to create a politically palatable ethnic studies curriculum that would teach high schoolers how systemic racism, predatory capitalism, heteropatriarchy, and, quote, other structures of oppression are foundational to American society. Okay, this is woke supremacy. Now, 
After more than 82,000 public comments and four major rewrites, the State Board of Education is expected to approve the latest version next week, clearing the way for lawmakers to make a semester-long course in the material a graduation requirement for all of California's 1.7 million high school students. The latest curriculum, however scaled back, still shares similarities with an earlier rejected draft a top state official said failed to comply with state law. The LA Times editorial board characterized it as a jumble of, quote, politically correct pronouncements that feel like an exercising groupthink designed to proselytize and inculcate more than to inform an open mind. Okay, by the way, if the LA Times editorial board is ripping you as too woke, you're way off the deep end. The LA Times editorial board is one of the most ed- left-leaning editorial boards in America. According to Real Clear Investigations, when all is said and done, the material emphasizes white subjugation of non-whites. It's not a conventional textbook subject, but an ideology with an activist political agenda. Revisions may never satisfy parents and teachers who believe public schools shouldn't be in the business of teaching kids how to develop a quote-unquote social consciousness or using class time to pinpoint a student's intersectional identity to determine where they fit on a hierarchy of power. At the same time, ethnic studies activists are furious that their efforts at promoting social justice and centering, quote, voices of colors are being diluted by, as they put it, power structures such as whiteness, Zionism, and assimilationism. Passage of the landmark curriculum at the board's scheduled meeting on March 18th should mark a hard-fought victory for the half-century-old ethnic studies movement and help advocates promote their movement across the country. It won't end the conflict in California, where the issue will then be forced to the local level to be decided by local school boards or in individual classrooms. The reason is because state guidelines grant teachers wide flexibility in how they teach the subject. But advocates aren't happy with that. They want a state cram-down on this stuff. They insist on hewing to a heroic narrative about how people of color have suffered and fought against European capitalism, colonialism, and imperialism. Practitioners have formed their own organization, the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum Institute. For the past year, activists have been meeting in online sessions to hash out strategy, expound upon their liberatory and transformational ideology, and encourage educators to teach the full-strength curriculum that the state has already flunked. The Liberated Ethnic Studies group includes many of the original authors of the 2019 Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum the state has gutted, as well as 50 scholars, teachers, practitioners, and students. According to Allison Tintianko Kubalis, an Asian American Studies professor at San Francisco State University. The advocates say many state officials fail to grasp ethnic studies is not a traditional school subject, but a movement and a philosophy best described as narrative medicine, radical healing, and even a way of life. And these folks will gain institutional power and they will use that institutional power in order to cram this crap down on you. And when when Don Lemon suggests that woke supremacy means nothing, he is speaking from his position as a CNN anchor at the most widely respected news network in America, speaking as a person who believes in critical racial theory and wokeness. And everybody who disagrees will be ousted. And people who suggest that the press are not racist will be ousted. Okay, the woke are coming for everyone. They're coming for all the standards. On on the governmental level, we are now enmeshed in a complete rethinking of the nature of the relationship between government and the individual. Government is going to take care of all of your needs. All you have to do is sacrifice your self-respect, sacrifice your rights, sacrifice your freedoms, and the government will take care of everything for you. The government will rectify all past injustices. All you have to do is pledge your fealty to an overarching state and a media infrastructure that acts as its propaganda wing. That's all you have to do, and everything will be all better. All of this done under the auspices of President Houseplant and his compliant media. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon. The Matt Wall Show airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The right celebrates a new poll showing a majority approval for laws banning men from women's sports. Alabama passes an abortion ban. The new left-wing autonomous zone pops up in Minneapolis. The soap company Dove has decided to stop using the word normal in its advertising. And a feminist writer is worried that stay-at-home moms might be setting a bad example for their children. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.
We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 